Please turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Philemon. <clears throat> Philemon. Last week I discussed how the Lord not only gives grace to you, but he gives grace through you. Now the Lord wants to give grace through us, in particular to those uh, who have committed sin. And we base this message out of Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. And we found if someone is overtaken in a fault, the Lord has committed to those who are spiritual to restore them. First of all, the question might be asked, who is spiritual? And the reality of it is none of us are spiritual all the time. Uh, there are times that we ourselves are struggling with temptations. We ourselves are dealing with anger. We ourselves are, are overloaded with stress and, and not handling it well. And so at any point in time, any one of us may or may not be spiritual. But going into this kind of a situation, I said I really believe Galatians 5 gives us an idea of, of what it is to be spiritual going into that kind of a situation. Because God is only calling for spiritual people to restore. Let me just make a mention of that for a moment. That will come in a bit of the explanation. But uh, the reason I believe God wants only spiritual people to uh, restore such and one in a spirit of meekness is because if we're not spiritual, maybe we're angry at what has happened. Uh, maybe we've been hurt by what is happening. Then what we're going to do is more damage than good. Instead of helping to restore them, we're going to possibly try to hurt them and, and try to frustrate them either, even further. So the Lord says, I have entrusted the restoration process to those who are spiritual. And going back into Galatians 5, you don't need to turn there. It's those people who are loving that individual, not trying to injure them, not trying to hurt them. And so uh, we're only, we should evaluate our lives, take heed to ourselves, Am I approaching them because I love them and I want to help them? Or am I approaching them because I'm mad? I don't like what they did. I, I want to reveal what's going on in their lives. Again, then we're not spiritual. We have the wrong goals in mind. So that's from Galatians 5, verses 14 and 15. Verses 16 and 17 says, We are to be walking in the Spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Part of the works of the flesh revealed in the next couple of verses would be hatred strife, uh, this idea of contending, wrath. There, there's, I think, five words in there that commonly come out in our lives when we're angry with somebody. And so the reason he wants us to be spiritual, we need to be walking in the Spirit so that we don't become angry. So we're not filled with wrath. So we're not going to be strife, yelling at each other. And so again, he wants us to be spiritual so that we're loving them, we're walking in the Spirit, the Spirit's controlling us as we approach it. Remember, we're to do it in a spirit of meekness. And then we ought to be bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goes on to seven of them. And those ought to be evidenced in our lives, even in this situation. Uh, if I can't confront them with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, in my heart, meekness, temperance, goodness. If, if I can't confront them with that type of a spirit, then, then I'm not spiritual. I, I shouldn't be approaching them at all. So the Bible really tells us to be careful. If we're trying to approach someone who's overtaken in a fault, we shouldn't do it if we're controlled by our flesh. 
So the Lord really led me to preach from Philemon. I almost said chapter 1. I did jokingly earlier today, but there is only one chapter. But the Lord really led me to preach from Philemon. And I remember a Bible professor, Bible college professor, said this. Uh, the book of Philemon is often overlooked and underpreached. Uh, the idea of many people uh, don't even know anything about the book of Philemon. In fact, I was telling them, I was counseling someone recently, and they, they, they made me show them that Philemon was actually in a Bible. They'd never heard of it before. And so that's okay. You may never heard of it either. Uh, but so it, sometimes it's overlooked. It's only one chapter long, and so we don't even realize it's in there might easily miss that in our lives. The other thing he says, it's under preach. Well, it's not under preach with me. In fact, if you go back into my Sunday school notes, just nine months ago, I was in the month of November, and we did three weeks of Sunday school from the book of Philemon. And so uh, it is definitely not under preach. I just love this book. I love the message that it bears. And I would love to bear that message to you today. It has nothing to do with what I taught in Sunday school. That's one of the beauties of God's Word. Uh, there's such a depth and a richness to it. I didn't go back and dig up those notes and restudy them out and just worded it differently to come to this message. I really believe God has led me directly to preach on this individually of everything I taught back last November. Here's the idea that I'd like to forward to you. I am talking to you about how God gives us the grace needed to help reconcile or restore someone. But the specific application I'm going to dwell on the most coming right from this passage of Scripture, it's reconciling someone who is lost. Reconciling someone who isn't a Christian reconciling them first to God and then secondly if needed to someone else. Think about this in our lives. Sometimes somebody who's unsaved uh, swears at you. Have you ever had that happen to you? They're unsaved and, and they swear at you and we get so angry that they swore at What do you expect out of an unsaved person? I'm not glorying in the fact that they swore. But I'm not shocked either. I mean, they don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit convicting them. They're not under the authority of the Scripture. The, the Scriptures isn't giving them authority for how and what they should be doing in their lives. So, so they might swear at you, and, and it's not because uh, that they, they know better. Sometimes it's, they're, just, they're not a Christian. At times, God's going to put people into our lives who are falling short of the glory of God, and God is going to give you the grace to minister to them, not get mad at them. So somebody steals from you. Even the Bible says, hey, be careful about being overjudgmental of a person that steals from you when they're hungry, when they're, when they're given to poverty. Even the Bible recognizes there's an extra temptation in situations like that. And so sometimes we are so mad that they stole from us and we really overlook the major picture is they need to know the Lord. Well, you're not going to reach them for Christ by yelling at them for stealing from you. And so I want to show us today from this passage of Scripture regarding the reconciliation and the restoration of the fallen. 
God is going to give us the grace to do so. I'm going to use Paul as a primary example as he works with a man named Onesimus to restore him to the man whom the book is titled after, Philemon. I said in the first service, this is a little bit like the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is about Ruth, but there's an, surely an underlying story, and the story is about Naomi. Naomi's the one that the story of the book of Ruth begins with and ends with, Naomi. But Ruth is a major part of it. Well, Philemon is who the book begins with and ends with, but all in the middle, it's about Onesimus. And so I want to talk to you about this reconciliation and restoration of the fallen. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Father, as we now approach your word, I'm already excited because I, I know what your word says. I just love this book. It really gives us a lot of great information, some of it inferred, uh, some of it implied, some of it directly stated. And so, Father, I just pray that we'll be able to take this book and implement it into our lives. And, Father, I guess I would ask you to, in the, the kind of the bottom line of this message, is to burden us for those who you put into our lives that need to be reconciled to you and maybe even restored to someone else. Father, I think sometimes we as Christians aren't focused enough on the unsaved world and reaching the lost. And that's why we battle with each other. We, we kind of miss the big picture. And, and I think if we would commit more of our time and more of our energies to battling Satan and reaching the lost, we would see that we shouldn't be battling with those who are on the same team. And so I just pray that you'd help us to glean some truths from this wonderful book uh, that will help us in our Christian lives. And Father, I'm preaching to Christians, but I trust anyone who's lost hearing this message would recognize, just like Onesimus did, their need for salvation. So please, Father, use this passage in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, this is a great book. Uh, just 25 verses long. And uh, Paul begins by complimenting uh, Philemon before he kind of gets to the point of the message that he's going to have. And then he's going to begin to work through the story because Philemon didn't know that Onesimus had come to Christ and, and then give him a final uh, encouragement of something that he ought to do. I want us to see, first of all, that God's goal to restore others demands your involvement. God's goal to restore others demands your involvement. Has there ever been someone that God has allowed to be in your life? Maybe you don't even like the fact that they're in your life. Uh, maybe you're very uncomfortable with their personality. Maybe you're very uncomfortable with how they talk to you. Maybe you're very comfortable with how they live. Uh, maybe they live differently than you. Maybe you got a neighbor who just has a different lifestyle than you do. You don't like the loud music. You don't like the partying or whatever. And at times, you, you wish you, you, they'd move away. Instead of trying to maybe build some type of a relationship or a, a friendship that you could witness to them through and you could impact their lives for Christ. So again, sometimes we want people out of our lives instead of ministering to them. 
Now, that can be someone who is unsaved. Now, I'm talking about unsaved. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about someone who has never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The Bible says in order to have a relationship with God and eternal home in heaven, we have to, have, uh, we have to trust Jesus Christ, his Son, for salvation. And so it might be someone that is lost and, and someone in your circle of influence and God has allowed them to be there and the reason God has placed them there, he's going to give you the grace to minister to them the gospel. Now other times it's going to be someone that's a Christian and you're going to notice this Christian isn't living the Christian life the way they ought to be living it, whether by your standards or by the Bible's standards. And you say, ah, I don't think so and so. Uh, they don't live very much like a Christian do this, they do that. And again, sometimes we become really judgmental. What do I mean by that? Well, we become judgmental because we point out their faults with trying to help them to become anything different. You know, if you're a person, and, and again, I'm not trying to jump on anybody here at all, is it? but if you're a person that tends to gossip about someone instead of trying to help them recover, you're kind of judgmental in my book and I think in God's word. So what we ought to be doing, we ought to, like Paul, here's a spiritual man who definitely has a man who's overtaken in a fault. Let me give you the story of Onesimus a little bit. Onesimus is a servant of Philemon. The book is entitled Philemon. Philemon is a Christian man who, in, in running his home, has a number of servants that would serve him. Now, don't think of it like slavery, like we have had through portions of even uh, history that has gone before us. Think of this servitude as sometimes what they would do is someone would say, hey, I'm willing to serve you as as long as you're willing to take care and provide for the needs of myself and even my family. And and so you have somebody be willing to be a servant. So Philemon had at least several servants that would serve him, and one of them, his name was Onesimus. This is kind of unique. Onesimus means useful, beneficial. Now, later on in the book, he is going to make the comment that Onesimus was not very useful to him. But So in whatever reason, Onesimus is a servant, but not very useful. And then to cap it all off, Onesimus steals something from Philemon. Now, if you know anything about the history Stealing was judged and ended by death. So if you got caught stealing, your owner or the one you were uh, working for had the right to put you to death. Wow, what would, how that would change America's look uh, in the day and age in which we live. All the looting and everything that has taken place over these last few years. Uh, what a mess that would be and what a change would happen if they all of a sudden uh, began stoning them all. And uh, putting that electric chair to anyone who steals sneakers from Walmart. Uh, anyway, what a change it would happen. So, so that was what would happen. So Onesimus decided, I'm going to run away. Hey, if I stay here, he could kill me. I'm going to run away. Do you know how far he runs? He runs from Colossae to Rome, which is 1,000 miles. What a trip. What is he thinking about? Hey, you're not going to catch me here. He's going to go to a crowded city called Rome. He's going to get mix and mingle in a bunch of a huge crowd of people and kind of get lost in the crowd, so to speak. And I'll be free from the judgment of death and be able to live my life how I want in Rome. But when you're a troublemaker, you're always a troublemaker. And what happens? He gets in trouble in Rome, and he gets 
thrown into prison, and guess who's next to him in prison? What's his name? Paul, the Apostle Paul. Well, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, quite a servant of the Lord and quite a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is going to take this opportunity of having Onesimus next to him and leading him to Christ. In fact, he says in this passage of Scripture, verse number 10, he says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus. This is his way of telling Philemon he's now a Christian. I don't know where it comes up in the conversation. But I can imagine Paul and Onesimus sitting in prison and says, Paul engaging in conversation and Onesimus mentions, oh, you're from Colossae. I know some people in Colossae. Uh, Where did you live there? Philemon. I know Philemon. So all of a sudden, you know, he runs from Philemon and runs to God, so to speak. Wasn't trying to run to God, but he runs to God. And his life is dramatically changed through salvation as it ought to be. Now, Paul Paul has an option here. In fact, he mentions this option in this passage of Scripture. He says, you know what, I can actually keep him here and he'd be a real benefit for me. But I think the right thing for me to do is get involved in not only his reconciliation with God, but his restoration with Philemon. So this is what he does. Paul is going to write a letter to Philemon, put it into the hand of Onesimus and say, here, take this letter, go see Philemon. Turn around, go the other thousand miles back. Give him this letter. And we'll pray that he receives you. In fact, that's the main point. If you you would, look here a little bit with me in the scriptures. Uh, Look at verse number 12. Because this is really the point he wants to bring across to Philemon, whom I have sent again. So Paul's speaking to Philemon about Onesimus. I've sent him again. Thou therefore receive him. Receive him, that is, mine own bow, somebody that's now close to me. Look at verse 17. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive receive him just like you would receive me. Have you ever heard somebody say, hey, a friend of Larry's is a friend of mine? You have, you have that idea. Well, that's basically what Paul was saying. Hey, I, I want you to receive him. I want you to receive him just like you received me. And in the opening verses, he calls him a beloved brother. Uh, he, he calls him a fellow servant, a fellow laborer, speaking of Philemon. So he says, I want you to receive Onesimus, this slave that stole from you, just like you'd receive me, your brother in Christ. So you see what God is using. God is actually using mankind to bring people in reconciliation with God and restoration with others. And so Paul isn't getting involved in this because he's mad. Paul loves both of these men and would love to see nothing better than for a restoration of their relationship. Let's look at a couple of verses together. Let's begin with verse number five. I I can't read them all, though I'd love to. He says, speaking to Philemon, it says, Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus, excuse me, and toward all saints. So here's a man who loves the Lord, and he loves people. 
Here, here is a man who's serving by faith and serving people by faith. That the communication of thy faith is become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He said, you know, you're not only a great guy who loves people and loves the Lord, you're communicating your faith. Let me stop and ask you a question. We're two-thirds of the way into the year. Can you believe it? Two-thirds of the way already. I wonder how many people have you tried to impact their lives spiritually? We've, we've had eight months. How many people in this year have you really got involved in their lives and, and said, wow, they're a Christian, but I, I noticed some things in their life. I'd love to help them because I want them to glorify God. I, I'm not going to point them out as a, just being angry at them or uh, just frustrated with how they're living the Christian. I, I want to get involved in their life, try to help them become a better Christian. I know a lot of people who uh, initially coming here or another church, they, they weren't grounded, they weren't discipled, no one ever discipled them. They were going to church, never grew because no one discipled them. So who are you? You're trying to get involved in their life to help them because you, you love them, want to see them glorify God. Or you know that God has put someone into your life as an unsaved person. I want to ask you, are you trying to influence them for Christ? Paul is saying, I know, I know about you, and one of the things I know about you is you are communicating your faith and how you live in Jesus Christ. My question is, are you communicating your faith? Could there be an Onesimus in your life, male or female? Could there be someone in your life, maybe it is a neighbor, uh, maybe it is a co-worker, hopefully not a person with you in prison, but anyway, uh, hopefully we're not going there, but maybe there is someone in your life that God is allowed and placed into your life so that you could spiritually impact them. Are you communicating your faith? So he says, of Philemon, he says, I know that, I, I know your love, I know that you're communicating your faith. Uh, look at verse number seven, for we have great joy and consolation in thy love. Look at this, the end of verse seven, because, I, because the bowels of the inward part of the saints are refreshed by thee, my brother. Let me ask you, are you refreshing around? I know sometimes it's personality. But you know what? God overcomes personality. God is greater than your personality. You ought to be someone that, wow, people look forward to seeing you. People look forward to you entering the room. People look forward, especially if they're unsaved. We're trying to reach them for Christ. We ought to be like Philemon. Paul says of Philemon, I know this, that the people that are around you are being refreshed. We're going to learn more about somebody else doing the same thing later on. And so as he goes on to verse number 8 now, he says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, that which is convenient. Let me, let me just give a little explanation. It might, might be sound like Paul saying, hey, I'd like to enjoin you with uh, Onesimus, Philemon, but that's not actually what the word enjoin means. He says, you know what, I have the opportunity to command you to do this, but I don't think that's fitting. That's actually what that phrase means. He says, I could command you to just forgive Onesimus and allow him back into your house, but I don't think that's fitting for me to do. So look what he goes on, what he explains. Yet for love's sake, verse number 9, 
I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I, I'm not going to command you. I'm just going to request. I'm going I'm to plead with you for love's sake. Let me ask you, do you love people enough to forgive them? I thought about this sometimes. God so loves the world. Do I love them enough to try to reach them? He already loves them. I need to work to love them. It's automatic for him. It's not for me. And so he says, because of love's sake, he goes, I, I, I'm just requesting that you would receive him back into your home as one of your servants. But not really that. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, verse 10, whom I have begotten in my bonds. I've led him to Christ as a prisoner, which in time past, here it is, was to the unprofitable. His name means profitable or beneficial, and he wasn't living up to his name. But you know what? The Lord knew one day he would live up to his name. He would be profitable. Remember John Mark? Have you ever read that story where John Mark initially went with Paul and then there was this period of time where he didn't and then Paul says, well, he now is profitable unto me. Well, same idea here. There it's a Christian who's becoming profitable. Here's an unsaved man who's now becoming profitable through salvation. He says, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to the enemy, whom I have sent again, thou therefore, here's a, here's a plea, receive him that is in my own bowels. Again, receive him as you would receive me. So what is Paul doing here? Paul is getting involved in the reconciliation and restoration of the fallen. He is taking someone who, is not, who was not right with God and helping them first to get right with God and then secondly, to get right with others. Now, now here's sometimes our problem when we try to, and this, this includes me. Sometimes our goal is to get them right with us before we really even think about getting them right with the Lord. You see, too often we make it all about us instead of about him. And so Paul is very carefully working at this where he is making sure the idea is this, you know what, God has entrusted to me this man, I need to get involved, and I'm going to try to help to restore him back to a right relationship. Did you ever read the passage in Ephesians chapter 3 that says he can do exceeding what? Abundantly what? Above all we ask or think. Have you ever heard that? Can you say it with me? Exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. God is able to do incredibly more. Have you ever had someone in your life you just kind of thought was hopeless? Quit elbowing your husband. That is not proper at this point in time. No, I'm just kidding with you. Maybe there's someone in your life, they are unsaved. You've witnessed to them over and over again. They've never responded. In fact, they're getting meaner as you try to talk to them. Maybe it's somebody you're trying to help them in their life and they're becoming less consistent than they ever were. And you just kind of think at some point, man, this is hopeless. I'm trying to invest my life in someone who's not making any changes at all. 
You know what? What I love about the Lord is He can do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Can I kind of jump to the end of the story with you? Let's turn over to the book of Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. This, this chapter in Philemon has other excellent verses. For Listen to what Paul would say to Philemon in his letter. For perhaps he there departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Notice again, that thou shouldest receive him. Lord, or Paul is saying, you know what? The Lord had a bigger plan than you saw. I'm sure Philemon, maybe they, they make the statement it was spitting nails when when that happened. Onesimus stole from him and then ran away. He was angry. But Paul said, hey, you know what? Maybe the Lord allowed that to happen. So the useless servant you once had comes back as someone profitable and for the rest of his life. So one of the statements Paul makes to him is, is that. Verse 15 is one of my favorite verses in the entire chapter. Uh, not now, then, then he goes on to say this, I know I have you in Colossians for the sake of time, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved. So she says, you know what, could you imagine this Philemon, I'm not just sending you a servant, I'm now sending you a brother that you can love. You now open the pages of Colossians, we get to the fourth chapter. There's another refresher I'm glad our church has more than one refresher. Uh, let's look at this beginning in verse number seven. All my state shall Tychicus uh, declare unto you who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister. This sounds just like Philemon. Can you imagine in this church, they have two men that are beloved brothers, faithful ministers, fellow servants, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose. He's a refresher that he might know your state and comfort your heart. So this is a visiting guy coming by. Tychicus is going to be involved, I believe, possibly in the deliverance of Onesimus and the latter. Tychicus is going to be there. And Paul says, you know what? He's just like you, Philemon. He's a refresher of the brethren. He is a fellow servant and a fellow laborer of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now Tychicus is getting involved in the story here. And he says, I've sent him for the same purpose, for this restoration purpose. Now look at this, verse number 9. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. What a change! Onesimus, the thief who runs to Rome to get away from trouble, finds Jesus Christ through the Apostle Paul. Paul sends him back. And now, as Paul writes, one year later, Paul writes this letter and he says, hey, he's not just a servant. He's a beloved brother. In fact, this is Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who's one of you. You know when the church, you know when the church feels like your church? When there's somebody else there because of you. It makes a marked difference. It makes a marked difference when you have actually impacted and reached someone. In fact, it gives you a greater motivation to be more faithful, uh, to come to the services and all, because you know so and so who you led to Christ is going to be there and wondering where you are. 
But you know what? What an impact it has on your life when there's actually someone there that you have influenced their life spiritually. And Paul says, you know what? This man I sent to you, this is abundantly above all we would ask or think. Not only is being restored to Philemon, he's now serving in the church. Again, this is the reconciliation than the restoration of the fallen. That was a year. So I'm not going to say till the end of the year. I'm going to say till next next August. That's where we are, right? We're in August. I'm going to say till next August. Could it be that God will bring someone into our lives for us to influence them for Christ? It might be someone who's lost. Someone who's in trouble with the law. Someone who has trouble controlling their mouth and their language. Someone who's a thief. We could take it all out of the context. Someone who is trying to run from trouble. Maybe Who might God put into your life over the next 12 months that would allow us? What I want us to do by the end of this message is become burdened for someone. How long has it been? Again, sometimes we contend with one another instead of trying to reach the lost. How long has it been since you, you handed out a track, you encouraged someone to come to church, you, you, you made a meal and invited someone over to just try to get to know them, to, to share the gospel with them? How long has it been since you sat down in the workplace and used it as, as a place of serving the Lord? How long has it been since you talked to a neighbor about the Lord? What if a year from now you look next to you and they're seated in your row. Now, George, you'd have to get rid of some of your family in order to put them in your row. Or we've got to get bigger rows for you, okay? Uh, we'll get bigger rows if you want to bring people and put them in your row. No, I love the Keys family. And, uh, but, dear friend, wouldn't it be great if a year from now you would say, this is someone the Lord allowed in my life who was fallen they were overtaken in a fault but I was spiritual enough to not make it all about me and especially I want to work with this application but this is someone I thought instead of getting offended I'm going to reach him for Christ in fact the Bible says it's better to be defrauded to go without than to just get my own way. And say, Lord, and and then here, here comes the prayer request. Lord, if you haven't already, will you bring someone into my life that I could influence for Christ? Lord, if they're already there, would you open my eyes and would you deepen my burden, my passion for them? so that I might be like Paul, striving to win them. Maybe it would be someone who is a Christian, and maybe you've recognized, you know, I know so-and-so that comes here or doesn't go to church anywhere, and they, they claim to be a Christian, but I don't think they're living the Christian life. Well, then start loving them 
Start discipling them. Start encouraging them. Start praying with them. Start praying for them. Saying, Lord, would you burden for me? Would you burden me for someone? Let's pray. The story has it that Onesimus went on to become a pastor and to shepherd a flock of his own, exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. I'm going to have Christy begin to quietly play on the piano. Who would say, just uh, Keith, as you preach this morning, you might say, I already, I think I know who it is in my life. I already know who it is. Maybe you're already working toward that. But you just say, Keith, would you pray for me that I will be an effectual witness. I will be, become even more burdened for this person that we might see them come to Christ and see them become part of a, the body of Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? With an upraised hand, just say, would you pray for me? I, I already know who it is. Maybe I'm already working on it, or maybe I'm not, and I, I, I need to be working on it. God bless you. Wow, about 30 hands went up. About 30, 40, 35, 40. God bless you. May put those hands down. Maybe even right now, would you begin to pray? Number one, ask the Lord uh, to, to make it clear who maybe one or several of those individuals might be. Number two, ask the Lord, Lord, would you help me to be spiritual enough to be willing to be involved in this? I, I want to be the person you want involved in this. Could it be that you wouldn't even want me involved in trying to reach this person because of the way I live my life? Maybe it'd be a prayer of, Lord, you need to change me so that I can be used. Again, dear friend, I, I don't know, when's the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When's the last time that you cared more about their spiritual condition than what's going on in your life? Lord, have thine own way. Again, as God works in our hearts, let's begin to pray. Let's begin to yield ourselves to the Lord. Let's begin to pour out our hearts before Him and be still. Who would raise their hand? I wanted to ask this second question. I have a third. Who would raise their hand and say, Pastor, right now I can't think of anybody. I can't think of who that might be, but I really want there to be someone like that in my life. Would you pray for me that the Lord will lead somebody in my life? God bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow, another 15, 18, 20 hands. Praise the Lord. Lord, would you bring people into our lives that we can influence for you? Again, Lord, helping us to be right with you so that you can use us to minister to them. With heads bowed and eyes closed, one final question. Who would say, you know, I'm that person. I'm not sure I'm a child of God. Would you pray for me with an upraised hand? I won't embarrass you. I, I think I'm one of those. I've never trusted Jesus Christ alone. God bless you for salvation. Anyone else that we can minister to your heart? Your Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, so thankful for this opportunity uh, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share the beautiful story of Philemon, but really of Onesimus with Paul. Uh, Father, what a, 
What a remarkable story that you'd take this thief running from the law, so to speak, and running right into your arms. And you love them with an everlasting love. Oh, Lord, that, that neighbor, that coworker, that in that family member, whoever that is really frustrating us, Lord, help us to love them as you love them. And help us to want to do good in order to brighten our testimony around them. And Father, help us to look for opportunities to share the saving gospel. And we'll be grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.